Hey, what's up, y'all? It's Whitley, and you're tuned in to another Wondering Whitley session. So tonight, I just want to uh, specify and put this disclaimer that the message that I have tonight is particularly to black women or women who identify as black. Um, If you do not, that is fine. It doesn't mean that you got to go anywhere or you can't listen. I'm not sure who all, you know, is out there listening, what nationalities, ethnicities, um, because the message still may resonate. I'm being very specific tonight because this is an issue that plagues the black African-American community here in America. I'm speaking from experience. I'm speaking from what I grew up around, what I see even as a, a adult woman. And so, again, depending on where you are in the world, you know, what you identify as, this message still may apply. But many of the references I'm going to use will apply to black women. And so that's why I'm being very, very specific tonight. Uh, So just throwing that out there. It also afflicts black men, but I don't know many black men who are listening to this podcast. So um, I'm just putting that out there. But what I'm thinking about, and I'm not sure what I will title this, but it's the idea of when it comes to our health and that's physically definitely physically is the main point but also mentally just how we take care of ourselves in a holistic way when it comes to our health not just like our nails toes those things we talk about those things kind of all the time here but these are the things like you know the the food that we're taking into our body, the amount of sleep we're getting, how we deal and cope with stress and frustration in our emotions and how we allow them to process, how we're dealing with past pain or grief, resentment or bitter, uh, bitterness, how, how we are taking care of ourselves when we are not feeling well And are we monitoring what probably got us to that point of not feeling well? Do we see any gaps in our day-to-day, everyday habits, whether, again, in diet, in sleep, in rest, in our schedule, in the things that we take on, in how we're processing emotions? The reason this conversation is important is because... Y'all know I'm a studier. I'm a studier. Uh, you can. I don't like to be called a jack of all trades because I don't think I am. But I, I just love to learn, and I love to learn the things that'll help me improve as a woman, as a person, as an educator, uh, just an all-around human being. But whatever is going to allow me to stay in my best shape what's going to allow me to be present what's going to allow me to have a good attitude even when I don't want to have a good attitude what are the things that are going to 
make my skin look good? What are the things that are going to make me from the inside out feel vibrant and healthy and support me in the journey to longevity? And so if if you knew any of my close girlfriends personally, they will tell you like, Whitley weird, she don't take medicine. (laughs) If she, like there was a time I had, uh, and this is kind of when I start first started going more natural on everything. And I wasn't reading anything back then. I wasn't really watching YouTube or anything. I really can't pinpoint what made me start like not really taking over-the-counter medicine. I can't really pinpoint what got my mind going to some of the things that I'm into now. Um, I I don't know. I think it was just kind of natural, which I'll get into a little bit later. But when I was in undergrad, and I think this is one of the last times I was, no, it wasn't one of the last times, but I probably get sick, if anything, and I don't want to speak that over myself, probably like once a year, because I think even anybody who takes the best care of themselves, like our body is going to fluctuate. It needs because there are new germs that are getting introduced. There are new, of course, you know, we know what's going on in the world today. There are things floating in the air. But the thing with our bodies is that they were built to adjust. They were built to, they were built to adapt. They were built to fight off what may be coming on, what may be foreign, what stops them from being able to do that. And I'm no scientist. This is just from things that I began to read and stuff because I'm so into healing myself. Um, and just from what I gathered is the, the, all the things that we manipulate our body with and, or our diet, our regular diet, can it fight off something that, uh, may come into our body that's foreign because that, that'll depend on this baseline level of health. And I mean, I don't, I think anybody could attest to that, to attest to, you know, the same thing with what's going on in the world right now. They say, okay, well, people with underlying health issues are more at risk because their baseline of health is not exactly healthy, you know, so that's not totally off base. But when I was in undergrad, this is when I really started making this decision my own because I wasn't you know, at home anymore, or, you know, that was the first time of me trying to be on my own. So I remember getting sick and I ended up having this cough. And it was the first time where I was using kind of natural remedies to heal myself like teas. And I was just kind of thugging it out. Like I didn't, I didn't know any other real remedies other than tea. I think that was the main thing I was doing. But back then, uh, when I was still in undergrad, I was still eating like the chicken from Walmart. Like we used to buy these chicken breasts and like these white rice. Um, And 
what was I eating? Chicken and that tilapia from Walmart. Those are things that I'll never buy. I really don't. Never mind. I'm not going to say that because just in case, you know, that's where you are, you know, in your budget and stuff. I don't want to make it seem like that. But I I personally don't really buy food from from Walmart uh, anymore, especially not produce if I did want to buy it. But back then, like, that's. You know, used to buy like a 20 pack of chicken breast, <laughs> you know, because it was like a ten dollars. And that ought to tell you something because quality chicken like that ain't, you know, couldn't be that price. But that's what I was paying for. So I was eating that almost every day. Um, I wouldn't say I was I was eating any fried foods back then, but I, my diet still like compared to what it is now, my diet definitely wasn't clean, clean. I was still working out and stuff. So I got sick and the actual sickness of me not feeling well probably lasted like two, two days tops, two or three days was probably the third day was probably like the remnants of it are still there. But I had this lingering cough for, I want to say like a month. And my homegirl used to get so mad at me. She was like, Willie, you sound like an old man with this cough. And I just would not take anything. I was just like, just give me my tea. It'll be fine. (laughs) But I went for like a month with this cough because I was so dedicated to healing myself and trying to find out like what's going on with me. Okay, now I'm just feeling dry. So that means I need to drink more water, have more tea. And then I ended up reading something, okay, it's cool that I'm having green tea, but green tea, you know, is going to make my metabolism go so that I need some type of throat coat that's actually uh, has some things in it to nourish my, my throat and my esophagus because I've been coughing so much. So I was learning these things about herbs, about tea because I'm in my body. I, I'm not using any medicine to numb me or to cover up like just the symptoms, which most over-the-counter medicine does. Um, I I was just trying to figure out what my body wanted and what it needed. And I finally, of course, got rid of the cough um, because natural remedies too, when you're new to them, they take a while to set in. They take a while for your body to get used to them and they don't work as fast as you know, when you're used to taking over-the-counter medicine, which I did for years. And I told this story on one of my old podcasts uh, back in sixth grade. I ended up getting a sinus, a real bad sinus infection to the point where I dealt with that sinus infection for about two or three months. It felt like the longest time of my life. But for like a month, my my primary doctor, he couldn't identify what it was. So my mom was literally taking off work almost every day, coming to pick me up from school because I was having these migraines that felt like somebody was just banging me upside my head, like they were sharp, they were painful, I couldn't stand light or uh, loud music. And then my asthma started acting up, like it just got real weird. And she initially thought it was a sinus infection, but my doctor was like, no, it's not giving me those signs. 
but he didn't he couldn't say much past that and so he finally sent me to one of those uh radiologists where you had to lay down and go on one of those stretch machines and they scan it I was like oh lord if this is just my day just just let me know so I ain't got to go through all of this like just let me know early <laughs> but I was so scared and finally my scans came back and it was a sinus infection and by this time it exasperated because I went so long without it getting taken care of. And of course, like I put on antibiotics and all of that stuff. Once we found, you know, what it really was, it can get treated. And I remember around that time, and this is in sixth grade, I was like, around that time I stopped drinking soda. This is in sixth grade. I do not drink soda still to this day. Um, that was the main thing I stopped doing. I stopped eating pork around that time too. Still don't eat pork to this day. And this is before I just gave up meat. I just stopped eating pork. And I don't know what was making me make this decision. these decisions. Again, I was only in sixth grade. But it was just something about being not well for that long. And I was that young that, I don't know, it just didn't sit right with me. I can't. Like, even as I reflect on it now, I can't say, like, what made me start making those decisions. But I, rem I remember making those decisions at that age. Um, now, it doesn't mean I didn't dibble-dabble here and there. But because I used to love me some root beer and orange soda. <laughs> Especially because Nickelodeon, uh, Keenan and Kel, he had me loving some orange soda. But I stopped drinking soda, and I definitely stopped eating pork. Now, I don't know what that had to do with the sinus infection. I don't think the two crossed. And I also said to myself, I was like, I don't never want to be on this much medicine again. I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to do this. I was like, if I ever got to take medicine, you know, maybe it'll be when I really need it and my body can respond to it. And I'm saying this at the sixth grade. And again, I don't know what all made me say that, but I was, I just remember not liking having to go home every day. And if you've ever not felt well, talk about being present. If don't nothing else bring you into the present moment is when you, you not feeling well. If don't nothing else bring you into your body, it is when you're not feeling well. Now, if we can just practice being that in our body when we're feeling amazing, <laughs> that that's something. But like nothing brings you into the present moment like, you know, not having full capabilities and experiences or your senses on in your body. Like there's nothing like it. A person who just got a terminal uh, diagnosis will tell you the same thing. Nothing makes you start reflecting on life and have you been living in? Are you in your purpose? Like being told that you only got X amount of days to live, you know? Uh, and so even on your regular sickness, you may not feel like it's terminal, but depending on how it feels, you know, it takes you out. It, it takes you out of being able to move forward in life and show up for life in a way that makes you feel 100% available and ready 
and makes you want to continue to move forward. And what I'm seeing now, you know, with everything that's going on in the world is I'm seeing a rise in women who are exhausted, you know, um, exhausted, overworked, and unhappy. And I can even look at areas in my own life where I've seen that in myself, like exhausted, overworked. And you may be hearing this like, that ain't me, that ain't me. Well, it may not be you. But I'm pretty sure you know a woman that that's her narrative. You know, and sometimes it doesn't have to be all three. It can be one. And the the thing that we have to realize and begin to be real about is uh, you can't judge happiness by what you see people doing online. Because like the old saying goes, I said the old saying, because <laughs> it's pretty new, but, you know, we see people's highlight reels. But if in real life, you, you're with a woman or you're with, you know, even girlfriends or just women in general and say, you know, they say that every night they have to have a glass of red wine or two every night. That's nothing to be super alarmed about, but that is a thing. That is a thing. Like if I, not if I, but if they were, would they be able to stop that at any time without feeling like, dang, I need that. I need that to relax. I need that to unwind. I need that to relax because that need is a thing. Again, it's not cause for super alarm and I'm not. Judging anything, these are things I had to look at within myself. But I'm into having real conversations because these are things that as women, if they're if they're not talked about in real life, real time, in a real way. I think we can be. Playing the game of our own early demise in more ways than one, not just physically. Um, if you ever go out with friends and you always got that friend who always, you know, got a drink to at her limit or above her limit to have fun. Like drinking like a fish on a regular day or on, you know, they at every happy hour. That's a thing. Is it cause for all alarms? No. She may still get up and go to work every day, all of that, but it's a thing. It's a thing. It's it's just a thing. If a woman has to smoke every single day, that's her habit. That's her thing. That's a thing. That's a thing. She got to smoke every day. And I know that well because I was that one. Got to smoke every day. Regardless of if she says it's for sleep, again, it's to unwind. It's just recreational. It's a thing. If a woman has to be in a relationship 
She's not getting the results she wants in a relationship, but like she need to be filled up, touched up, got to be in some type of companionship with a man. You've never really seen her single. You probably haven't seen yourself single, you know, and a lot of women haven't. So I'm not saying that to be any kind of way, but there's a lot of women who've never been single. So, but that's a thing. That's the thing to always need to be in a relationship. Some of our mothers have never been single. Ever. One relationship in, they already in another one. They already entertain another one. That's the thing. Again, it's not cause for raising all eyebrows. It's just a thing. And depending on what those type of things are. And there are multiple still. I'm just naming the ones that are most common. Uh, but there are, there are things for all of us and somebody on here, well, I don't got none of those type of addictions. Your thing may be something that you think is holier than thou, you know, but I ain't, I've never been on that side, so I really can't name it right now. That ain't the ministry that God then gave me. So, you know, but your thing may be something different. Your thing may be continuing to be friends with a man who, you know, really with somebody. Your thing may be being a nice girl when you really got all these other sides, you know, people, things can be anything, but the things are things that we do when we haven't addressed other parts, whether it be our healing whether it be us, our ability to process past or even present emotions that are difficult, processing and experiencing past pain, dealing with the pressure of being being and becoming an adult on top of all the stuff from our past and our present. Trying to navigate who we want to become and the conflict is creating from who we used to be or who people think we are or what we were raised to be and the emotions that create. The feelings of overwhelm from figuring out how to Rob Peter to pay Paul to keep this bill on, where this money coming from, how this going to stretch, how I'm going to get from A to Z. Now my card is now my that. Then dealing with, you know, the pressure of getting in a relationship or staying in a relationship or wondering where the relationship going or wondering if he like you or this, this and that. Like all of those things add if you got kids That's a whole nother level. And depending on, you know, if you're a single mom or you have help, like that's a whole, that's a whole nother, you know, island of its own. Of problems, of things to figure out, of decision makings, of, of anxiety, of, of worry, of fear, of having to deal with yourself. And so a lot of us attach ourselves to these things 
because in ways they help us escape. They help us uh, deal with it in the moment or to avoid dealing with it. The thing could also be fixing other people's problems. So these become things that we attach ourselves to when there are areas that are just too hard and too difficult to look at or to stop and notice or to take inventory of. And I'm seeing this in my own life. And the reason I felt like this conversation tonight was important or is important to me, it's important because we're living in a time right now where things are rapidly changing. Things are rapidly changing in our bodies as a species. Um, there are new things getting in the air and in the food and, you know, things about our health that, you know, it'll be wise to stay on the swivel of and not just what they saying on the latest news but even going as far sometimes to follow people who are actually behind writing the some of those news journals or some of those science latest science journals yourself and even if you can't read the academic language you know listening to conversations on c-span rather than fox news uh, asking more questions of even your doctors, your primary doctors, and understanding what their background is. Because some of us, I know when I think about my childhood doctor, we didn't, you know, I used to think he was everything, but now being older and understanding um, his background, I wouldn't say I had the best child physician. The best there is out there. And many of us, you know, are not afforded to that growing up. And I don't I don't know how many people have that, you know, around my age in our community. It doesn't mean it's not possible, but just making sure that the information that we're getting about our bodies, we have to make sure that. Long term is creating more longevity and we're getting information and we're applying things and we're making decisions for our bodies or even for our kids. If you're in that role to make the the decisions about their health that, you know, I mean, we can't avoid everything, but that they are things that you at least feel 90 five percent like okay I'm okay with making this decision and just know it's okay to to go against a grain or to try a new way or if your instincts are telling you something but even if doctors are trying to tell you something else or uh your friends or your family who ain't tried nothing different telling you something else, you know, don't ever be afraid to um, follow your own body wisdom, follow your own knowledge. Now, let me preface this by saying everything I'm saying, I'm not trying to persuade you one way or another to do something, not to do it, to not take medicine, to don't 
to not listen to dollars, doctors, to to do listen to them, to not take medical advice. Like, I'm not telling you to do anything. What I'm uh, encouraging is that every piece of advice that you get, every opinion that you get, no matter how qualified you think somebody is, you have to live in your body every single day. And believe it or not, you have more wisdom than anybody else living outside of your body. I didn't pause because I don't got nothing to say. I paused because that was a Selah moment. I just want us to think about that, even for myself. I had a friend uh, when I first moved back to New York. I mean, moved back from New York. She she injured her ACL. So she was in full cast, like a whole leg cast. Couldn't. At first, couldn't even be on crutches. And I watched her healing process over a span, I want to say, of when did I come back home? June, July, probably like July, August, September. By around September, she was pretty much, she still had her brace on, but she was pretty much moving on her own. To the point where she performed with us in our, our kids' company. And then um, about a month or so later, two months after that, she was back in the company dancing. And even the doctor who was overseeing her, you know, was amazed by her progress. Because from their viewpoint, from their standards, she wouldn't have been able to dance again. She shouldn't have been able to do the things that she was doing and have the mobility that she had in a three-month time period. They gave her, I mean, they gave her a medicine that can knock out like a 300-pound man. Because, I mean, the pain once she would wake up was so painful in her leg. And I remember her telling me she was just like, you know, I could I could see why people get addicted to these type of, of drugs. Um, which I can imagine because they, they, they feel good, but they're so heavy. And she said she went to her first... Um, rehab appointment and she said the exercise they had her doing like she could already do those but here she is about to pay 300 400 dollars with her insurance for somebody to tell her something she already she already was doing on her own she was already getting results and so like I said her her recovery was definitely full recovery to this day you wouldn't even be able to tell she had full knee surgery like whole surgery knee was out of place whole surgery um and she had a very speedy and quick recovery just based on the gravity of her injury 
And one of the things she kept saying is, I know my body. Like they telling me I can't do this or I'm not supposed to do this at this stage. But I'm, I can feel my leg. Like I can feel what's possible. I can feel what's not possible. I can feel how far I can go before I need to stop. Like I can feel it. Like, yeah, you, you a doctor and you got all these research and you got all these books, but it ain't much you can tell me about my body and I'm in it and I can read those same books. And I just, I use it as a testimony, but there are many people like that. You've probably been like that, you know, in one way or another with your health or even with your child. I don't know how many mothers know that there's something off with their child. And when I say off, I don't mean that in the derogatory sense. I mean, like if they have early signs, because, you know, with most uh, centers, child centers, they can't test your child for something like being on the spectrum of autism or anything like that. I want to say until about three or four. Because anything before that, they, you know, just think it's normal child behavior. There are parents who know, even by looking at their baby, something not right. And that doctor will swear up and down, oh, no, such and such, such, such. Then they'll come back, oh, it was what you said. Because mothers know that child came out of them. They had That child is living off the cells that the mother provided in her womb, there is a wisdom that it don't matter how long that doctor was in school and how many books he read, you were in your body. That child was in your body, made in your body. You got a wisdom that doctor will never have. And so I say all of that to say, as women, there is a part of us we have forgotten. There is a part of us that we have allowed Society, other people, men, doctors, uh, people who are outside of their, even other women who are outside of and scared of their own bodies to shame us into believing our own intuitive knowledge in our body wisdom and leaning towards the things that we have inclinations will make us safe, make us feel well, make us feel whole, um, and that will heal our bodies without super extreme measures. And there's this place that we have, and I don't know what that place is, (laughs) that we have to get back to in order to tap back into that. Because the next generation of men and women need this generation to remember, to remember that wisdom because we are the mothers of the earth. We are the healers. We are the nurturers. We are the wisdom of the world. We are the flow. We are the peace. We are the calm. We are the patience. Now, we are all those other things, too, but those are our our dominant characteristics. And if the woman isn't well, the world can't get well. 
And so there's a wisdom that we we have to get back into ourselves, be it with our diet, with making sure we're getting rest, with making sure we're, you know, we can't live stress-free lives. And some stress is good stress. Like when you're, when you got stress and stress and pressure and you're walking in your purpose and it's the right amount of stress where you can relieve it and express it every day, that's good. But if it's that type of stress that stay on you all day, you wake up with it, you go to bed with it, you walk around with it, like that little gray cloud on the Skittles commercial, then we got to deal with that. Because those are the type of things that cause like fibroids in black women and ulcers and uh, migraines and aneurysms. And there's a lot more black women getting those things at younger age ages than it needs to be. So we got to get back to us, y'all. Um, again, I didn't come on here to alarm you of anything. I just felt moved tonight to to just share that if you're being led to, I don't know, even go on a more holistic path or there's something specific going on with you or a family member And this is just a side note, like you can look at your own family or friends and see how many black women have had to get uh, their uterus taken out from fibroids and they're young. And I still think 40 is young. Um who have dealt with, you know, brain things, super migraines or headaches, Uh, women who have dealt with things, complications when it comes to childbirth. And all of these ain't because they just was unhealthy, but I'm just naming these things because uh, there are a lot of things that are plaguing the black community and the black woman's womb, our mind, our spirit, and all of those things are one. All of those things are one. Some of us are carrying things in our body from our grandmother. Emotionally, spiritually, mentally. But we can look around us and see the people in our family who are dealing with diabetes, high blood pressure, drink a whole lot of alcohol or have some type of addiction or unhappy or always, you know, super angry or yelling and fussing at the kids because they have so much pressure and weight on them of the world, of their own household. And so there has to be this this moment where we look at those things, even just within our own lives. I'm not saying go out and fix nobody else, but just put a microscope on your own life. And I'm doing this, too. That's why I'm having a conversation of, OK, where do I need to pull back or where am I, you know, neglecting health or where am I not being mindful 
of how this will affect my health long term or what's showing up now, what habits that I have before that got me here, um, what's something that is rampant in my family that, you know, is that genetic? Is that something that was brought on by the diet we always consumed? Am I mindful of the diet? Am I mindful of where my health currently is? Just because I'm not overweight, am I actually fit? Can I lift my own body weight? Do I go up and down the stairs? Am I tired? You know, uh, how is my general dental health? Like these are all things we, we all got to look at because sometimes we can skip areas because we, you know, we don't see every single part or we think, oh, because I'm not, you know, a thousand pounds, I don't got nothing to worry about. It's like, no, like you can't lift your own body weight. You don't have strength or you getting tired walking up the stairs. It don't matter if you 150 pounds and your BMI says you're you're just at the right weight and the right size. It doesn't mean you're physically fit. So these are all things that we have to look at and think about. And I'm thinking about these things more because, like I told you, I teach PE and health to eighth grade. And we were having conversations like this. And even them as middle schoolers and kids, like, I think it's so such a privilege when I get to talk about these things because I'm just like, wow, I'm, I'm a real life teacher (laughs) like it'd be like an epiphany moment like whoa like how am I teaching this but you know when they talk about because in most of my my kids um are like Hispanic or African-American like those are the two demographics in my in my entire school so even in my class like if you grew up in any one of those you know, households, you know, the American, the standard American diet, unless you refine, you know, and reform to a whole plant-based diet, like the average American in those two communities, like you got a very specific diet, you know, and it shows too, when I'm working with them physically, you know, it shows in the things that we're doing that physically could be simple, but I realized that even I had to work my physical body up to this. But when I hear what they eat on a regular, they talk about, we talk about nutrition and the things that they're experienced, but then they also talk about the other side of my parent at 38 had to get surgery on their leg. And because of this, like those type of things, those type of things we got to start taking seriously. Because 38 is young. That's young. So, um, yeah, I love y'all so much. If this conversation was for you, it was for you. I just want, you know, us to really be thinking about, especially at this time of our health, because our, our health and our body wisdom trusting ourselves and doing things that are beneficial for ourselves and our legacy is part of our legacy. We can't really leave a legacy and continue to look towards longevity 
without putting our health as a priority because we only have one vehicle and that's the body we were given. So if we're not being intentional and taking care of it, you know, you could say it's going to ride to the wheels fall off, but the wheels might fall off sooner than later when it could be later. So I love y'all so much. If you want to reach out to me, my email um, is on my website at WhitleyNGreen.com. My blog is also there. I'm on Arts Feminine on Twitter, The Feminine Arts Academy on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Wondering Whitley on Facebook and Instagram. And Whitley Hooray is my personal Instagram page. I love y'all so very much. And remember, get in alignment to receive your assignment. Talk to you soon.